Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a successful business, I've met directly or indirectly many successful people from entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes someone successful? Do we even know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create it for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Today, I'm with Paul Carter. Paul is a reporter for Click, the BBC technology programme. Paul was a producer on the BAFTA award-winning London 2012 Paralympic Games coverage on Channel 4. He's a very experienced journalist, writer, and a pioneer of social justice, equality, and inclusion. And remarkably, Paul can boast going from novice stand-up to the comedy store in just two weeks. But here's the really remarkable thing. Paul Carter was also born without lower arms or legs. So it gives me amazing pleasure to welcome someone I've known for a very long time, uh, who I'm sure will share some real insights into what's made him so successful. So Paul Carter, welcome to you. Really good to see you. Thank you. I'm slightly concerned you've built me up too much now, but I'll do my best. Not at all. I think <laughs> I've uh, probably not built you up nearly enough. But anyway, we'll, we'll find out. Um, it's really good for you to be with us. Um, let's start with just finding out a little bit more about Paul Carter, because, you know, when I've done my research and looked into all the great things you've achieved, you're, you're such a modest guy and you've achieved so many remarkable things. And some of the great things that you've quoted on your blog, for example, um, are really, really humbling. But let's let's start by finding out a little bit about you. So background, upbringing, childhood, stuff we might not know. God, uh, where to start? Um I like the way that you call me humble, by the way. I'm not sure lots of my friends would call me humble or modest, but yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I'm from Luton originally. You can tell by the way I dropped my T's there. Are Did you, you like that? Are you a fan? I, I am, yeah, for my sins. Um, council estate boy, proud of it. <laughs> um, yeah, not sure what to say, really. I, um, as you say, I was born um, without lower arms or legs, um, went to mainstream school, and my parents made a very conscious decision very early on that I was going to be treated exactly the same way as my two older non-disabled brothers. Um, got a lot to thank them for that decision. I think, you know, frankly, I wouldn't be sort of doing what I'm doing now without them having done that. Uh, so yeah, I went through the, um, apart from a, a couple of years, right at the beginning at special school, um, I went largely through the, um, mainstream school system, university, etc., and sort of into work after that. I've, I've done lots of things, kind of gone around the houses, been a jack of all trades, master of none for, mm-hmm. for quite a long time and sort of, yeah, have found myself doing what I'm doing now, really. Sorry, that was really quite vague, but um, yeah, that's that's me in a, in a nutshell, I don't I guess. Think it, it sounds to me as if you've packed in a, an awful lot in a very short space of time, so... Um... No, I, I, you know, I, you and I have very similar backgrounds in the sense that um, I lost my dad when I was quite young, so I grew up in a in a council estate and, mm. but but benefited from that in so many ways. Mm. So, um, are there any things that you know we might not know about you from your blog or from any kind of like secrets that I can prize out of you? <laughs> I was in um, I was in London's burning when I was eight years old. <laughs> 
Um, I was in the Christmas special. Um, Were you? Yeah. Don't oh. look it up. You can't find it. Okay. Um, you can, but um, please don't. Yeah. So that was kind of my first foray into television, I guess you could say. Wow. I was a I was a child actor. That's where it. That's where it started and stopped. So on the subject of television, tell us about what you're doing at the moment, because I know that's something that um, has particular appeal to you. you Yeah, so at the minute I'm a reporter for the BBC's technology programme, Click, Mm -hmm. um, which is broadcast on the news channel and BBC World, kind of all around the world. So I'm giving my spiel now. Um, It's a brilliant, it's my dream job, basically. It's it's what I've wanted to do for for years. I I, I absolutely love it and um, get to cover some amazing stuff travel, you know, see the world, tell amazing stories, meet amazing people. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, couldn't ask for much more really. That's I, so, so how did this come about? When did you make this decision? Did you make a decision? Did it happen by accident? Yeah. I mean, so just to sort of rewind slightly. I mean, I, um, I originally trained as a journalist. That was my, that was my thing. I, I worked in magazines for, um, quite a number of years, including I worked for just over four years for um, Disability Now magazine. Um, did that for a number of years. And then I sort of fell into television sort of by accident. Um, a friend of mine was running a, um, a TV company and ended up um, working with them. And then from there, um, as you say, we went to the, the Paralympics Channel 4. And then off the back of that, I, I set up on my own. And I ran my own um, sort of independent production company called Little Man Media for um, for several years. And it was doing that, that the opportunity came up to, um, join the BBC kind of full time and to leave that behind, which was an interesting decision because at the time working for myself and running my own business was, was what I'd always wanted to do. And it was, it was quite liberating, you know, to, to set that up and, and to be my own boss and to, and to do all that sort of stuff. But, um, the job that I moved into at the, at the time at the BBC was, was on Newsnight. And I always say to people that Newsnight's one of those jobs that when it comes calling, you, you don't say no to it really. Mm. Um, and you know, to work for a, an institution like the, the BBC, it's, it sounds really sort of slightly tacky and cliched, but it, it, it's a privilege for me to, to do what I do and, and, and work for the BBC. And, and yeah, that's sort of my hackneyed way around the houses into how I've ended up on click, I guess. Well done. So just, if I may, take a step back to mum and dad now. Yes. You referenced the fact that they uh, always treated you as no different to, to anybody else. And, mm. and clearly you've benefited from that. Mm. In, in what ways did did that help you? Was it was it just something as simple as a positive mindset, positive attitude? Um, how did that shape? Because people won't know this because this is a podcast, but um, we're recording from um, the top of a flight of stairs. And whilst I was waiting for you to join us today, I suddenly had this thought that I needed to find a way to get you up and you were already halfway up, bounding, um, you know, in a more able-bodied way than most people would. So clearly something something has kind of rubbed off. So what were the kind of the lessons that you learned from from mum and dad and their attitude? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, the, the stairs thing, that that probably rubs both ways and in the sense that it's, you know, sometimes a not a positive as, as well as a positive. But, I mean, in terms of... Um, you know, my parents, I think, I think what it, what it gave me is, you know, I, I went to mainstream school and, um, you know, basically had to learn the rough and tumble and everything else in, in exactly the same way everyone else did. And that was, um, a huge benefit for me because, um, 
you know, I, I sort of had the same experiences as, as my sort of non-disabled friends did. And I think that kind of set me up in, in good stead, really. I think it gives you a mindset and, you know, I'm extremely proud of my identity as a disabled person. I'm, I'm, I absolutely not, um, don't say, oh, you know, I, I don't see myself as disabled because I absolutely do. It's, you know, it's core to sort of who I am. But at the same time, um, I think when you, when you grow up not seeing yourself in that particular way in terms of how you interact with others, I think that doesn't sort of change, change the way you, the way you look at the world. But I just want to go one, one step further on that. It's quite interesting in that, um, for a long time, I, I didn't see myself as a disabled person, um, because I'd never thought about it. You know, none of my, none of my friends were disabled or my friends were, were non-disabled people. My, my family were all non-disabled people. So I, I didn't have that sense of sort of identity for quite a long time. Um, and it was only when, um, it was when I actually started working at, at Disability Now and I was surrounded by um, other disabled people with all sorts of impairments, you know, all of whom are still friends of mine today. And I remember my, my first day and I, I sort of, I'm still sort of slightly embarrassed saying this. I remember looking around and thinking, I don't belong in here. Like, you know, who are all these other disabled people? This is a bit weird. Um, but it was only from then that I actually began to realize that, you know, we are all the same. Yeah. Um, and everyone's impairments are different, but our challenges are the same. And um, you'll hear me talk a lot about the social model and that, you know, made me realize that we're not disabled by our impairments. We're disabled by the world around us and by society, not um, making things more inclusive. And, you know, that was like a, a light bulb moment going on for me, learning about the social model and that sort of identity as a, as a disabled person. And I, I sort of apply that wherever I can now. Um, but like I say, it, 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 it does sometimes throw up that sort of conflict because sometimes I do have to say, oh yeah, that is, that is that. Yeah. Have to remind yourself. Yeah. No, good for you. Sorry, I went off on a slightly deep and meaningful tangent there. Listen, the, the more we hear from you, Paul, the better. So you go off at whatever <laughs> tangents you like. Um, I think I'm right in saying that you, you once quoted it maybe on your blog uh, and I quote, I've not found that having a disability has been any form of hindrance or barrier. And that's kind of sums up what you've just said, right? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, to sort of clarify what I mean by that, I mean, I, I mean in, the, in, in terms of my experiences of, of work and my experiences of how I've sort of interacted with people professionally, I've, I've, I've never personally found it to be something that's, that's counted against me. If, if anything, I think it might have, it might have opened doors. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm conscious of the fact that that's not, that's not like that for everybody. And I, I, I don't want for a second to sort of paint a picture that, um, being a disabled person in the world of work is, is rosy and fantastic because for many people it's not. Um, but I think it has focused my mind in, in the way that I, um, approach things and, you know, and going, going back to that, um, being a, you know, gobby kid that was out there fending for himself. It's sort of something that I've, I've always taken on in that I've, I've always spoken up. I've, I've always made it clear what, what I can and I can't do and, and what works for me and what doesn't rather than, um, sort of sitting there quietly and, and, and not doing the things that I want to do because I feel that somehow I might not be able to it's about 
asking for those adjustments and, and getting those things, you know, prepared ahead of time and sort of seeing what the, what the barriers and the roadblocks might be, I guess. Mm. So this leads to an obvious next question, which is, you know, inevitably people are going to be listening to what you say and say, well, it's, you know, he's got amazing attitude, amazing outlook on life, but surely Paul, there are, there've been loads of challenges along the way. How, how on earth do you deal with, you know, the school playground bully to the way people might view Ian business today and um, maybe maybe there are prejudices. How do you how do you deal with that stuff? It's a difficult question because I mean I think um, everyone faces challenges and everyone everyone has challenges whoever they are whether they're whether they're disabled people or not um, and to sort of isolate them is 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 slightly tricky but the way it's the way it's always been for me is is to speak up really I think I've 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 never. I've never been a shrinking violet by any stretch. Um, and it's, it's sort of about, you know, facing these things head on and, and, and addressing what the issues are really. Um, I mean, God, you know, school bullies and all that sort of stuff. I mean, yeah, I had my, my fair share of that, but then again, I was a gobshite when I was 11. So, um, I think I kind of avoided, you know, I, I think it could have been a lot worse, put it that way, because I'm, I wasn't afraid to stand my ground, so to speak. Mm, mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, of course there have been, there have been prejudices. I mean, as I said before, nothing um, that I've ever been sort of aware of to my, to my face. I've, ne- I've never had someone say, you can't have a job because you're disabled. Mm. No one's, no one's ever said that to me. That doesn't for a second mean that I haven't had, 200 applications put in the bin or that I haven't got interviews for jobs that, you know, I know I'm qualified for or, or anything like that, that, that sort of inherent kind of prejudice, I guess. Mm. Um, but yeah, for me, I mean, it's just, it's just about learning from challenges, I guess, and, and sort of addressing them the next time around, if that, if that makes sense. It does. So how do you, that's a good point then. Uh, how do you pick yourself up when, when you're down, because we all, we all have those days, don't we? When, you know, you kind of don't want to get out of bed in the morning and you feel that the world's kind of turned against you in the last 24 hours. How, how do you, do you have any daily routines? Do you have any, um, you know, do you meditate? Do you, you know, how do you, how do you deal with stuff when, when you're having a really bad day? Pub mainly. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. Alcohol plays a great part in all that, doesn't it? Do you, do you have any, any particular routines or things that you mantras that you live by or things that help you get through a day? The only, I mean, I've never been one for sort of spiritualism or anything like that. Um, but the only sort of, I guess you just saying mantra has, has brought it to the fore. The, the, um, screensaver on my desktop, God, I'm going to get some stick for saying this now. Um, my wallpaper on my computer says, um, I think it's a Steve Martin quote. It says, be so good. They can't ignore you. Very good. And that's kind of it, I guess. Let's leave that one there then, because I don't think you could have put that any more concisely. Um, who do you, who do you kind of aspire to? Who do you admire? Um, anyone you've ever met along the way that's kind of a, been a bit of a beacon, a bit of a role model? Lots of people in the disability community have been, you know, selfless over the over the years, fighting for equality and sort of getting us to where we are to, are today. Journalistically, I mean, my, my old editor, John Pring, um, was a, was a big mentor and a, and a sort of inspiration for me going forward and, and doing what I do. Um, but I mean, in a wider sense, I've, I've never really been one for, 
um, idols or, or role models, you know, of course I was into bands and stuff growing up, but uh, I've always sort of wanted to go my own way and, and do my own thing and carve out my, my own path really. I mean, I, th- I think it's, it's great to take sort of, um, inspiration is perhaps not the right word, but, um, you know, to take little nuggets from, from people that I, I don't think you ever stop learning. And I think, you know, anyone that you, that you work with that that's good at what they do, I think I, I try and take, you know, bits from everyone that I've, that I've ever worked with and, and adapted them to, to fit myself and, and use them, use them myself. But I, I struggle to think of, you know, oh, that person or, or that writer or, or, the, or that broadcaster is a, is, is an inspiration because I, I want to be the best that I can be. Earlier on, Paul, you said that uh, your, your, your current role as a reporter was kind of your dream job, I think you said. Yeah. Uh, is, is, is that the pinnacle for you? Is, is that what for you constitutes success? What is success? What does it mean to you? Does, what does it look like? Give us a flavour of or an insight into the mind of Paul Carter in relation <laughs> to <laughs> Not sure success. you want that. What, what, is, what does success look like? Because I, I don't think a lot of people really have ever understood what it is, where they're going. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's really interesting. I've been thinking about it a lot since, since you first asked me to do this. Um, because I think success does mean different things to different people. Um, and I think it means different things when you go through different stages of your life. You know, I think what you think success is when you're 18 is very different to what you think success is when you're nearly 40. Um, like me, um, you know, I, th- I think it, I think it changes. It's fluid. It's it's something that cha- that that moves and, and evolves. For me now, it's wanting to do stuff that I'm proud of. If that doesn't sound too pretentious, um, it's you know wanting to do good work, wanting to make stuff that has an impact, that means something. And again, without sounding slightly too pretentious something that helps change the world for others slightly along the way. If I can do that, then, then great. But that's what success is for me. I mean, yeah, of course we'd all like to be out earning seven figure salaries and, and, you know, of course, of course I think anyone would say that if they were, you know, if they had a yacht, they'd probably be successful by any, by any stretch. But I think that's, that's different from the success that you judge against yourself. Um, and for me, it's just being as, as good as I can be really. Good for you. Uh, you mentioned the word fluid, that things change over time. Um, I think I'm right in saying that once you said leaving employment was one of the best things you'd ever done. Um, but now obviously you're, you're back in an employed role, I guess. Mm. So what changed, what changed there for you? Do you know what? I mean, uh, running a business was, was brilliant and, and having, you know, I'd, I'd worked in, in, jobs at sort of companies all all my life, um, and sort of getting out of that and into the, um, self-employed world was extremely liberating. And I think for the first time you, I, I should say for the first time, I realized that there is a different way of, of doing things. And, um, in terms of access and, and applying it to me, it meant that I was able to, to manage my own my own workload to focus on the things that I wanted to do. All of that stuff was, was brilliant. And I learned so much in those, in those two or three years that I was doing that. It was, it was brilliant. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for a second, but it was hard. 
Um, and I don't want to make that sound like I stopped doing it because it was too much like hard work. That's not what I mean, but it, it consumes you. Um, and I'm not saying that to put anybody off doing it, but, um, I found that after a period of time, um, I almost sort of missed that perhaps not rigidity is, is the right word, but that sort of structure and, and, and order. I'm, I'm a slightly chaotic minded person and, um, I'm not sure I can be left to my own devices. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, I learned, I learned a lot about me and I think also that's, it's really changed that those, those two years of actually, you know, being my own boss and working out what works best for me as a, as a person, I've now been able to apply that and take that forward into sort of the employed world, if you like. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it was the best thing I ever did at the time, but, um, it ultimately, it was something that wasn't for me at that particular time. It's not to say I won't go back to doing that in the future, but, um, you know, tried that, park it. Yeah. Move on. What about, what about goals? What what's the future look like for you? If do you have any goals? Do you, do you think about the future? Or are you happy where you are and just deal with it each day as it comes? A bit of both really. I mean, I think, um, you know, I am, I am very happy doing, doing what I'm doing. Uh, I think goals are good in, in the short term. And like I say, I mean, I, I have things that I, that I want to do in the next, you know, two months, six months, a year, but I don't want to sit here and say in three years time, I want to be doing X, Y, Z, because I think, I think you're, you're setting yourself up to just something quite difficult to achieve. And then I, I that kind of raises all, all sorts of questions. Well, what happens then if you get to that point and you haven't done that? Have you, have you in inverted commas failed? Do you, do you, it's never been something that I've, that I've sort of looked at in that way. I, I I'm, I'm much more, short termist in, mm. in that sense. I mean, yes, you know, I, I, I want to progress. I want to be, um, you know, that word again, successful. I want to move on. I want to, I want to do, um, bigger and better things, but at the same time, you know, not the, I'm not one of these people that just wants to sort of trample over everything as a, as a, as a stepping stone for the, mm. for the next big thing, if that makes sense. So is there such a thing as failure? Or is it a learning experience? No, I don't think there's such a thing as failure. I think everything's a learning experience. I mean, it depends how you frame it, to be honest. You can, you can frame a lot of things in your, in your life as, oh, I, I succeeded at that. I, I failed at that, depending on, on how you look at it, really. Um, and I think that comes from your own perspective and, and not worrying so much what other people think, which is something that I've thankfully never done. Yeah, because you strike me as the sort of person that does seem to have a knack of turning every potential um, challenge into something really positive. What's, um, what's, what's next? Uh, you know, um, are there any kind of um, thoughts, ideas? I'll touch on this just for a moment, if I may. You um, probably know better guest to talk about social inclusion and equality. And the, do you think the world is different today? than it was, you know, you're 40, I'm 50. Do you think the world is different today than it was 20, 30 years ago? Not quite 40. Just want to make that okay. clear. <laughs> I'm clinging on, to the, me. <laughs> clinging on to those two years. Um, yes, the world absolutely is different um, from, I would, I would say, even 10 years ago. 
Um, but you know, it's, it's always, it's always a dangerous thing. We've, we've moved on, we've moved on great strides, but that doesn't mean that we're anywhere near where we need to be. And I don't think people should ever sort of rest on that. You know, progress doesn't equal, uh, you know, success almost. It, it, there's, there's always, always battles to be won and there, and there are much more ahead, um, you know, until sort of society is, is fully inclusive for disabled people, then no, we won't ever have won. Um, so yeah, there is, there is a long way to go, but, but that doesn't mean also at the, at the same time that we can't sort of celebrate those things that we, you know, we have achieved and that, and that, that are better. Um, you know, in terms of, in terms of my industry, we are very slowly seeing more disabled people on screen, um, and more disabled people working in the media industry as a whole. Is it enough? No, absolutely not. Uh, is it better than 10 years ago? Yes. And, um, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing really it's, it's, it's never sort of resting and thinking that it, that it's done because the second you do that, you, you slip backwards very rapidly. So it's, um, it's pretty tiring really, isn't it? Well, we've seen, you know, we've seen quite a lot in the press, haven't we? Different, uh, particularly celebrities that have got various disabilities complaining about certain things. Um, are there any particular challenges that you kind of see day in, day out? Because obviously we're, we're going to share um, this conversation with quite a lot of people. Um, and in order to try and help those people, to educate them, if you like, to, to get, create a better understanding of some of those day-to-day -day challenges that you face as a disabled person, are there any particular things that we should all be looking out for that help people to achieve or at least progress on that, that journey towards a better outcome? I think one of the biggest things, and um, you'll hear this, you'll hear this phrase used in the, the disability movement for want of a better word, a, an awful lot is um, it's the phrase, nothing about us without us. And I think it's, it's extremely important. And it's something that often, that often gets overlooked. It's basically include disabled people in your conversations, in, in, include people in your strategies your um you know your development plans whatever whatever it is don't ever impose anything on people even if it comes from the from the best will in the world and with all the best intentions in the world nobody knows what disability is like more than disabled people mm. um and i think that's something that that quite often gets lost in the cacophony really sometimes um so that would be that would be one thing Definitely. And, and also just, you know, talk to us. We don't bite. Well, not before a few drinks anyway. <laughs> so what's the, um, what's the greatest lesson you've learned so far, Paul, in your relatively short, but also action jam packed life, <laughs> um, that's contributed most to your success. I mean, you've talked about your parents mm. and you've talked about your ability, um, learn, developed to speak out, which I think Sounds as if it's very important. What other lessons have you learned that have helped you to get to where you've got to today? Do you know what? I thought you might ask me this and I, and I spent my entire time on the train this morning thinking, God, what pearls of wisdom do I have? This is well I've asked you. <laughs> <laughs> but I think um, it, it kind of came to me and, and, and what um, I, would, I would say to that is never say no. I mean, I, and I mean that in terms of never say no to an opportunity. I've always, always tried to, um, to say yes to, to everything I can. That doesn't mean, you know, let people 
take advantage of you or, 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 or anything like that. But sometimes the best openings, the best, um, opportunities come from doing something that you, you might've thought, I'm not sure I want to do that or, you know, what's in that for me. Um, so I think, it, you know, it's always about that. I mean, the sort of slightly sloppy parallel I always draw is, is that we've all had that sort of night out where you, you get offered to go out and it's on a, you know, Thursday night and you think, oh, I really can't be asked. I really don't want to go, but you drag yourself along and they turn out to be like the best nights out because you had no sort of expectations and you were like, oh, I'm really glad I came. And I sort of guess it's kind of similar in a, in a professional sense, really. I mean, some of the, you know, I think that's where some of the best things come from. And, and I'm sounding like a walking cliche here, but, you know, sometimes just doing things a little bit outside of your comfort zone that maybe you wouldn't normally do um, is the best way to open other doors, really. I suppose on that, to use another, another analogy, uh, in business, for example, sometimes we fear an outcome before we've even got there. Mm. And actually when we do take the leap, when we do pluck up the courage to do something, we actually realised when we've done it that it wasn't nearly as painful as we thought yeah. it was going to be. So that's really what you're saying. Isn't exactly. It? Yeah. And just, you know, because I think, I think saying no to things and sort of keeping within what you're used to and what you're comfortable with, um, it kind of stifles you a little bit, I think. Um, and having that fear is, is helpful sometimes. I think it's not nice at the time. I mean, you know, I mean, I still spend large proportions of my time thinking I haven't got a bloody clue what I'm doing. Mm. Um, you know, imposter syndrome is a real thing for, for everybody, but in a weird way, I think sometimes it's kind of helpful because it, it focuses the mind a little bit. I think, I think it was Anthony Robbins who said, feel the fear, but do it anyway. Mm. That's really what you're saying, isn't it? Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. The one thing you may not know, Paul, is that every one of uh, my guests always get asked one question and it's always the same. Okay, so we're going to finish up with that. Here's Paul Carter, nearly 40. I want to now emphasize the fact that you're not uh, 40. Um, <laughs> here's Paul Carter, 40 years of age, very nearly, having a conversation with Paul Carter, who is 15 years of age, just about to venture out into the big wide world, knowing what you know now about life, business, success, failure, challenges, all those other great things you've talked about, what advice would you be giving to Paul Carter, age 15? Wow, that's a big question, isn't it? And I knew it was coming and I still haven't quite focused it. Um, I think what I would say is that if it's not too sort of slightly pretentious to say, I would say not to do anything differently, for one, because absolutely I've made mistakes along the way and I've done things you know, that I probably wish I hadn't and, and, um, burnt bridges and done various things. But I think ultimately you come out the other side of that as a, as a stronger person, as a, as a, as a better person. Um, I think the one thing that I probably would say is to find your identity sooner and carve out your niche and be proud of it and take that on, you know, and, 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 and get there, get there quicker. I guess would be, would, would be what I'm trying to say. Brilliant. Good answer. Um, so what I've heard today is lots and lots of great things. So thank you so much for sharing so, so openly. Um, I think what I've heard is, you know, learn, learn from others. Clearly you're, you're a bit of a sponge when it comes to picking up lots of. 
I'm a sponge just generally. Yeah. <laughs> um, knowing your own mind, that's, that's what I heard loud and clear. And, uh, and, and dealing with things head on. Yeah. I mean, there's lots more to it than, than that, of course. But, um, you know, being brave enough to take the step, even though you may fear to take it, but, but also at the same time, accepting the fact that fear is part of the process. Mm. Um, terrific. So to round off, um, I'm sure there's people want to know more about you. So where do we, where do we find out more about Paul Carter if we wish to? Gosh, um, well, you can see me on Click most weekends, um, Saturday, Sunday, BBC News Channel, 12.30. Excellent. That's my little plug. Yep. Um, I'm on Twitter, um, Paul Carter TV. It's a very pretentious username. Um, yeah, that's, come and say hello. I follow you, so um, yeah, good for you. Okay, thank you very much. Um, you've been a terrific guest, and um, it's lovely to catch up with you again after... Far too many years. Far too many years. Um, you don't look any different to when I saw you. <laughs> Even if I am nearly 40. Even if you are nearly 40. Um, but thank you, Paul, very much for joining us. So, Paul Carter, wish you well. Look forward to catching up with you soon. And before you go, let's just treat you to a lucky dip question. So oh, I'm going to got some cards here. We don't know what they're going to be, but you can pick one. I saw these on the table. I was slightly... Uh... There you go. Okay. This one, that one. Okay. And what does that say? Oh my goodness. Tell us your best clean joke. Oh, that's probably not a good one for you. Um, <laughs> do you have any good clean jokes? <laughs> You've seen my comedy store routine, right? <laughs> well, listen, I, I, that, that was random, wasn't it? We, it you was did random. pick that card ran, completely randomly. Yeah. Have you got any good ones that you can think of? I mean, my favorite joke's stupid. Um, <laughs> what goes, ooh? I have no idea. It's a cow without any lips. <laughs> He's just laughing out of politeness, but yeah. <laughs> uh, you've, got a, you've got a career in comedy, if nothing else. Oh God, I've been there, done that. Paul, thank you very much indeed. Pleasure thank you. to see you. So that was the Sandro Forte podcast and another great guest in Paul Carter. Uh, there are many more fantastic guests joining me over the coming weeks. Please make sure you subscribe if you want to pick up some more great tips on success. And remember, you can follow us on social media at Sandro's Podcast, that's Sandro's with an S, same on all channels. And of course, I'd love to hear your stories, your challenges, anecdotes, ideas, and what things you'd like to hear more of. So email me at hello at sandrospodcast.com. And if you'd like to, please leave a review on iTunes so that we know what you'd like to hear more of in the future. Thank you. Thank you.